1: All right, our final Super Tuesday of the season is headed your way, and it's a big one. NC State, Duke 7 Eastern, then Kansas and Texas Tech, both games on ESPN and the ESPN app. So I've got Monica and Bart here in studio with me. I want you to see, before we start our new hour, I want to talk about a moment of great sportsmanship. This is Grandview and Southeastern in a softball game. Caitlin Moses hits a grand slam to give her team the lead, but she gets hurt between first and second. She's actually down and can't run. So she winds up being carried around the bases to score by the other team. Oh, hell no. The women on Vart! the
2: other team. Oh, hell no. <laughs> let her
3: lay
1: there. Vart! Hey, roll around.
2: I don't let. Where's the you camera? just hit a grand you, salami young, on me. I'm about hey, to step and drag young you around. People, young women, young women, bigger picture, proud of you. This is a great display of yeah. sports. This, this is the
3: world sports. we live in, Greeny. Giving away night plays trophies. First of all, where's time the out. killer First instinct, of all, time out. The Mamba mentality. First
2: of all, time out. This is a, an AIA game. It don't matter. She hit the grand slam. It's going to count.
3: Relax. It don't count if she don't cross the bases. Don't you have to touch all the bases? In Major League Baseball, it
2: wouldn't count. This is not Major League Baseball. Uh, About the rules. So I did not anticipate this. What is this 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 footprint? Young women, young women, young men, don't listen to him.
3: Man, listen. (laughs) Listen, Listen, (laughs) your your accountability is to your team, not to the other team. (laughs) Let her roll her her ass around those bases.
1: (laughs) Crawl. (laughs) Look, that was. It wound up getting a lot more out of that than Nine, I was expecting. We would have given out Nine
2: played trophies in it's sports. Not, not, it's not that deep. It's that's, not that deep. That's
3: why this society so
1: soft. Man. It's
2: not that deep. Low management. Not everybody low plays low management and all that stuff. All right.
1: All right. Sorry, Green. I like everything about this conversation, to be completely honest with you. With that, we continue another hour live from the Seaport brought to you by Chase. Where do we begin? Game of the night. Celtics and Knicks at the Garden here in New York where New York had won five consecutive games and Monica McNutt a part of the broadcast team. Jason Tatum came in and this was the kind of night it was.
2: From the tip, Greeny, New York had so much more intensity and fire than the Boston Celtics. They were flat and Mitchell Robinson said he doesn't like when guys try to get 30 and 40 on him. He was a presence at the rim.
1: And and so Robinson was doing it on both ends of the floor. There he takes the feed from R.J. Barrett. a 14-point halftime lead, and they're getting big contributions from a lot of places. How about
2: Emmanuel quickly? Sixth man of the year, candidate. Quick was shooting from well from behind the three-point line. He's doing a great job in transition as well. I love the growth of his game in year three. He had 23. Now, Jason Tatum's night was not only bad, but it was short. There he is
1: with a two-hand slam. He's looking for a call. He's not going to get it, and so he gets teed up there, uh, and then here comes another technical for Jason Tatum after Josh Hart knocks down Three. Tatum is drawing at the refs, and the refs say, You know what? Your night is done. Tatum, 6 of 18, 14 points, and it is New York that comes away with a statement win, 109 94. Remember, they won that game in Boston a few weeks ago, and then they back it up with a nice victory here. The Knicks have won six straight. They're scoring just over 120 points a game during that stretch. They're best in the NBA in net rating in that span. The six wins have come by an average of almost 15 points a game. So a very nice stretch right now for the New York Knicks. So that's the good news, if you will. Here's the really bad news. The biggest story in the NBA, the Lakers fear they could be without LeBron James for a substantial period of time. The foot injury he suffered Sunday against the Mavericks. He was able to finish that game, but then Woj with the reports yesterday and he joined us earlier this morning, Woj did, with the very latest on LeBron and the prognosis.
4: Even with a Laker team that has, uh, according to ESPN's analytics, the easiest remaining schedule, uh, certainly an uphill climb to get into the postseason and uncertainty about not only when LeBron James might be able to return this season, uh, but if he'll be able to return. I think there'll be a clear view on the extent of the injury and a potential timeline uh, here shortly, but uh, the fear is LeBron James will be out Several weeks.
1: So Zach Lowe with us this morning, as is Monica. And, you know, you and I were here together yesterday when we, anyone who watched the game or we did the highlight yesterday, you heard him say, I heard a pop. And so maybe the simple fact that he got up and and finished the game is really The surprising part in all of this, the injury did not look good in the moment, and now this is devastating
2: news. I I think, though, post game Greeny, you heard him talk about the urgency of that particular game, and so he does something for the short term that perhaps, and we see now, is not beneficial for the long term, but that is the predicament that this Lakers squad is in. They need everything from LeBron James to make any sort of postseason aspiration come to fruition, and unfortunately, several weeks, I mean, there's only several weeks left in the season, and so this completely, in my mind, decimates what they were trying to do. I will say, silver lining, it is a big opportunity for Anthony Davis. Tomorrow
1: is uh, the 1st of March, so if you sort of put it, doing the math in your head, April 9th is the last day of the NBA regular season. So, yeah, there are only several weeks left to go. Zach, I mean, how, how do, for the audience just joining us here, how do you um, quantify the significance of this injury?
5: Uh, gigantic, enormous, devastating. I mean, look, there's no silver lining here, and there's no complex analysis here. If LeBron James is out for most of the rest of the season, the Lakers are done. It's over. They're not going to be able to make up ground to make the playoffs. They just can't replace him, and that's not rocket science. Even if he's out for just 10 games, that's half the season. If they go 3-7 and seven or something, their season is probably over if some of those losses are the teams in front of them. And unfortunately, this is kind of baked in. A little bit to the Lakers roster construction. LeBron is 37. He's second all time in minutes. He's been hurt almost every year that he's been on the Lakers. Anthony Davis has been hurt almost every year he's been on the Lakers. This is why you can't mess around in the first half of the season with a team that doesn't make sense and can't win enough games because there's always adversity waiting around the corner and unfortunately this hits at exactly the wrong time when the
2: Lakers finally had a team that made sense. So, Zach, I agree with you 100%. I do want to go to the silver lining point I made before you started talking because, to me, just just hear me out If if you're a Laker fan, and Anthony Davis can give you 20 strong games that give you a little bit of confidence in him moving forward into next season and still get you to the play-in, sixth seed is probably out of the question, but still to the play-in, I think you do take that. Not that that is something that such a storied franchise is is particularly thrilled about, but I think that's the best you get down the stretch at this point.
1: Can AD carry them, Zach?
2: Uh, He can carry them somewhat, and and like Monica
5: said, I mean, 10th? is not out of the question, given what you know. Utah traded at the deadline, what Portland traded at the deadline, Oklahoma City slumping, New Orleans can't win any games. Tenth, ninth even is not out of the question, but it's going to be hard for them to, to derive offense without LeBron. I mean, AD yeah. is basically a finisher around the basket. Who's going to set him up for those plays now? It's going to be a tough uphill battle. But look, Derb, they've been a competitive defensive-oriented team for most of the season. So they'll compete. They'll
1: play hard. We'll just see if they can score enough. Unfortunately, I think it's me. This happens literally as I jumped on the bandwagon. <laughs> I, I watched them come from 27 down to beat Dallas the other day. You've seen how well they've played yeah. since they made... This roster uh, readjustment, if you will, or whatever the the word that Zach used was before the trade deadline, And, and now it just all goes completely kaput as LeBron goes down. Much more basketball as we continue. But this is a very big day in the NFL. Watch for puffs of smoke coming from Indianapolis because we might start to get the first signals of what Aaron Rodgers' future in or outside of Green Bay looks like. So the Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst, as we speak, is meeting with Packers beat reporters. So you've probably seen already his press conference where he'll talk to everybody and there'll be cameras and everything else there is scheduled for 10 a.m. Eastern, the top of the next hour. Um, But right now, 9 a.m. Eastern, is he is meeting with a small group of beat reporters for the Packers, no cameras, and they're not tweeting any information coming out of that. But they're having those conversations now. One of those reporters uh, is our own Rob Domofsky. And as soon as that session is over, we will get whatever information comes from that for you here. It could be in the next couple of minutes. And so what is it that we're listening for here, Jeff? Give the fans who are wondering why this is a big deal what it is we're waiting to hear from Brian Gutekunst.
6: Well, I can tell you last year in this very meeting at the Scouting Combine, Brian Gutekunst basically said that, hey, we're talking, Uh, we'll see where we can get on this, but really had no new information. The difference between last year and this year, though, was that very clearly Aaron Rodgers needed to get a new deal done last year. He was looking for a longer term commitment from the Packers. There was all sorts of those logistics, those formalities to be figured out, and they were ultimately figured out on March 8th when they got that new, new deal done. This year, though, Greedy, that shouldn't have to be the case. The deal is done. The commitment was made. I was speaking with someone in the Packers organization who essentially said, I expect Aaron to be back because we committed to each other last year. That feels like, obviously, wishful thinking. But at the same time, if we don't hear from Gutekunst essentially that this is a scenario where we're in those conversations, that we feel like we're making progress, if they're not talking at all, that would be a very discouraging sign for the future with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay.
1: All right, Timmy, you know I am studying this thing closely for any signals. I, I'm, I'm hiring, a, you know, a, a specialists who read body language and all that kind of stuff. What are we listening for, Tim?
7: Well, look, I, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to continue playing football. So I, I think the idea that he would walk away, I, I don't believe that that is a serious, you know, contemplation of his. Now, what I would say is what we are listening for is if Brian Gutekunst makes it sound like they are exploring options to move him, because I think that's what ends up being key mm-hmm. for a team like the Jets, a team uh, like the Raiders or anybody else. If you have a quarterback need with, with the Jets, which the Jets obviously do, and you get any indication that it is a possibility that they are willing to that's move right. him to you and he is willing to play for you then I think you've got to pursue it hard. I think you've got to be aggressive and go after it. But until you get that indication, you know, I I don't know that it makes a whole lot of sense to get involved in it. Bart
1: help me.
3: I mean, this point. is the reason why he went in a hole anyway. He went in a hole early this week so he can come out and have a decision, a moment <laughs> of clarity, and that's what we're waiting for. We're trying to see if he has a moment of clarity because these are the organization. This is most, like I said, the most passive-aggressive relationship in all of sports. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. Nobody wants to be the person. But this is exactly where Brett Favre had him, right? You know, they had Aaron Rodgers sitting back three years. He, they kept, he kept playing those games. At what point does the organization take back control, right? They understand that they have to move on. I don't think this team is a Super Bowl contender, not unless they do something that they've never done before, and that's go all in and spend money in free agency and mortgage the future. So at at what point does does Aaron Rodgers give them the indication that he wants to move on? Because we all understand that, listen, the Combine is the unofficial tampering period, right? Most deals and most collusion happens at the Combine because you have everybody there. You sit down, you go to Elmo's, you get some hot uh, sauce or whatever, uh, cocktail sauce, and you make deals over drinks. And cognac, like most things get done in business. So this is the time. So I'm I'm
1: waiting to see, like, you know, what's going to happen with it. It's a shrimp cocktail, and it is the spiciest cocktail sauce you've ever had in your entire life. You clear up your sinuses for a week. But, 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 but the point of it is, if you're talking about the Jets in this perspective now, yes. like clearly th- we have reporting that they had reached out to see if there was right. interest in here. Like when does the clock start ticking if you're, these, if you're the Jets, the Raiders? When if, do they need to know this stuff? I
3: mean, if you're the Jets, it's clicking now because I want to know, one, you got, can I get a commitment for Aaron Rodgers for more than one year? Because I'm not going to make a deal and give a future first-round draft picks. For a player that I'm going to have a high cap number for, and I'm only going to play for one year, you hope that you can get some type of deal done, that you can kind of alleviate some pressure from the cap in some type of an extension, and Green Bay can help with that, and now Green Bay can have an opportunity to get a draft pick this year, instead of getting a future first-round draft pick, which you assume would be much lower, because you have Aaron Rodgers, you, you expect to have a good season. So it, I think it's it's good for both sides to have the information so that you can make the necessary moves needed to make sure that
1: it's it's a good I deal. I get that. Both. If you're counting on knowing if he's going to play next year right now. That's a pretty dicey proposition considering we never know if he's going to play even this coming year. Jeff, final word. Go ahead.
6: Look, March 7th is the final day to to decide on the tag. We'll find out about Lamar Jackson. If it's non-exclusive, teams can move in on him. Derek Carr is meeting with teams out at the Combine as well. The clock is ticking for the Packers. They've got to figure out where this quarterback carousel is going to go, and they've got to be able to get the most compensation for Aaron Rodgers if, in fact, they're going to trade him. So for me, the urgency is at a peak right now. They've got to figure this out, and they've got to do it very soon.
1: I agree. Derek Carr also, meanwhile, meeting with teams. Carolina among them. We'll see um, if he winds up being the first to take a seat in this game of musical chairs. As we continue, another quarterback situation is Dak holding Dallas back, or is he getting too much flack? (laughs) Jerry Jones' son reveals the Cowboys' plan for their star quarterback. You need to hear it. Plus, you also need to hear from Charles Barkley. Did you hear what he said about Kevin Durant? KD heard it. He didn't like it at all. You will know why as we continue this hour. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. for a limited time only at dell.com/deals, that's dell.com/deals.
0: All the non-believers. How did that? Call the non-believers.
3: Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait till the day I make it. I can't wait. We're a good football team. They can't stop a bleed. Congratulations. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Oh, I can't wait.
1: All right, there. The words that made him a legend. We're now going to find out three things Bart Scott can't wait to see and the first one involves the J.E.T.S. Jets, Jets,
3: Jets. Absolutely. It's all about A.A. Ryan as he emerges from his home. We're trying to figure out, did he see his shadow? Does that <laughs> signal six more years of bad quarterback play for our New York Jets? Or will he puff the green smoke and come save the day? I can't wait to see if A.A. Ryan is going to be a future Jet. As we've discussed all morning, we may get some news in that direction today. Meanwhile, how about Lamar? I mean, the biggest story in all of football, Will the Ravens give Lamar Jackson a guaranteed contract? Or will they give him a non-exclusive tag if they can't come to terms on a long-term deal and all bets are off because I think think he becomes quarterback one on everybody's list and be willing to give up the two first round draft picks i mean this is the biggest decision of baltimore ravens history i believe and also
1: for the um the nfl that's a big that's a really good point they got a week and a half to do it and then how about the cowboys
3: yes wwjd now what would jesus do what will Jerry do <laughs> will Jerry Jones say you know what I am tired of waiting he's been patient he's been patient in the draft will he go all in will he extend Dak Prescott and give him a long-term deal and say hey I'm going for it because we all know Jerry Jones is walking a mile he's not getting any longer he's walking the green mile and he may get desperate and say you know what I'm putting all my chips in the middle of the, of the table
1: well we've heard from his son so Stephen Jones at the combine said yesterday i've got all the faith in the world we can win this thing with Dak. Mm. other than he hadn't won some key playoff games he's everything you want in a quarterback from the day he walked in the door he's won a lot of games we just got to get over the hump we've got to have a plan to ultimately extend dak and as we read that quote a little bit earlier tim hasselbeck we we had a little bit of a laugh because there is an extent of it that you don't want to say other than not winning playoffs. I understand, I think, what Stephen was trying to say. Like, he's everything we want a quarterback to be, even though he hasn't yeah. accomplished this. But that the, the part that is missing is the part that makes a lot of people question what the Cowboys' future should be. What do you think, Tim? Yeah,
7: sure. I mean, but listen, you could say the same thing about Justin Herbert. Like, does anyone think Justin Herbert should sign a long-term deal? We probably all think he should. But, look, they haven't had postseason success. I think if you try to narrow it down to that, you can get yourself into trouble at the quarterback position. What are you doing if you don't extend Dak Prescott? Who's your option? Dak Prescott, when he's under center for the Dallas Cowboys, they over the last two years they basically average over thirty points per game. That's really good. Look, I understand this last year wasn't great for him in terms of protecting the football, but in twenty twenty one he threw thirty seven touchdowns in ten interceptions. For perspective. Patrick Mahomes, who I, I'm, I'll grant you, he, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes that same year threw 37 in 13. So like I, I, this idea that that you can't win with Dak, I'm not buying it. You most certainly can. You actually have a great leader in your building for your organization for your team. He's not even 30 years old yet. Right. I think it's a no-brainer to extend him. Yeah, let, let, me, let me agree yeah. with Tim
1: on this. I, make, I think he's making a point. Well, I don't know if he, if he even meant it this Did way. Did say 2021? If you compare him to Derek Carr, the, 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 there's no, no one is going to sit here and say Derek Carr is definitively better than Dak Prescott, and yet Derek Carr is going on a free agent right. tour, and the whole league is killing itself to try and sign him. It's, so that, that, that is an indication of how... Dak well, Prescott's future would look if the Cowboys didn't extend him. No? Well,
3: well, that's a great point. But you can also look at Derek Carr and see the reason why he is a free agent because the organization realized that it had reached the ceiling with Derek Carr as their quarterback, and they have to try another way. We watched it happen in in, in uh, Los Angeles with, with Jared Goff. You have to ask yourself, what's the ceiling with Dak Prescott? Mm. Because if I give him an extension, I give him $50-plus plus million dollars because he took the short-term deal because he bet on himself, but he hasn't, you know, he didn't, you know, that didn't equate to winning. So now what happens when you give him $55 million? It already cost you Amari Cooper. So you're telling me you can't surround him with talented players. You can't go out and get what this team needs because he's going to eat so much of the salary cap up. So you have to ask yourself, am I willing to give Dak Prescott $55 million? And also, what does that do to my other pending free agents, not in the short term, but in the long term, mm. as I can't give other great weapons around him?
1: It's a good point. Jeff Darlington, go ahead. Look, I think that if you are
6: going to move on from Dak Prescott, you've got to take a very long, hard look in the mirror at your organization and at your decisions. It it feels to me like Stephen Jones, based on his words, while word choice you know, could be a little bit better, uh, as we've pointed out. But he's looking at this saying, clearly, our problem is not Dak Prescott, at least in his opinion. Our problem is uh, whether it's the pieces around him. The reason why we need to extend him is to free up some of that money to be able to make those moves to make him a better quarterback. But ultimately, I think that the Cowboys are doing that. They're going through that exercise and recognizing, look, we don't want to send, I mean, the Raiders don't even have a plan at quarterback. Last week, Dave Ziegler was saying, basically, we don't know what our next move is gonna be at quarterback. Like, maybe they figured it out, but Derek Carr might've been the better option, uh, just as Dak Prescott
7: remains the better option in Dallas. Yeah, their, their, their choice. Go ahead, Tim, final word, go. Uh, I've maintained this. It, it's a lot easier to get worse than better at quarterback if your starting point is Derek Carr. That's yeah. going to happen with the Raiders. Look, they could, they could find themselves wasting really good players that are on their roster right now because they draft a quarterback inside the top ten. Like I, that, I'm not sure that that's the right move for trying to win a championship. Uh, and I would just say this. like If your starting point is Dak Prescott, man, is it easier to get worse than then better at the quarterback position if you're going to move on from him.
1: Why are you making but, but a circle? Because
3: ultimately you're on the wheel, right? And, yeah, it's good that you always win games, but ultimately the, the goal is to win a Super Bowl. So ultimately sometimes you got to push your chips
1: in and say, we got to go all in because I don't know where, what's the ceiling with Dak Prescott. I'm up against the bottom of an hour, but I, I love this conversation because I, I see both sides of it, I understand it, um, and I think this is sort of a, a good illustration of a tough decision that has to get made and maybe made quite soon in Dallas. Meanwhile, as we continue, we're talking about these young quarterbacks that teams are going to draft. We have Mel Kuyper's latest mock revealed this morning, which is the biggest concern for Bryce Young. Is it the height? Is it the weight? We will talk about that and more with Mel Plus. Did you see what Charles Barkley had to say about Kevin Durant KD sure did, and he didn't like it very much. You'll find out why next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. We're back on Get Up. We showed you the Celtics earlier. How about the Sixers and the Heat last night, a thriller in Philly. Monica yeah. McNutt and it starts as it always does in Philly with Joel Embiid.
2: Yeah, he's a force to be reckoned with inside. He actually played really well in this ball game, despite the outcome.
1: His team down, yeah, that's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen. <laughs> take a look at him knocking this down. His team has been down 11, but then they take the lead and then it's Jimmy Butler on the other end.
2: Take a look at this play down by one. Jimmy Buckets! I know we're talking about low management and all and I'm not accusing Jimmy of low management, but do you know we're approaching the postseason and that's when we get get. the best of jimmy butler
1: heat retake a one-point lead 30 seconds left sixers looking to get the lead back bam out of bio give me that the defense on Embiid, and so the game comes down to this final second sixers down by two looking to make something happen they kick it out here's james harden for the win need that not to be Uh, heat with the win that's the second consecutive tough loss that the Sixers take at home. They had that game against Boston on Saturday night where Tatum hits the three and now this. And so as you look at the top of the Eastern Conference, the Bucs have actually pulled percentage points ahead of the celtics although our analytics still like boston to win the conference but just by a slight margin then you look at the Sixers there so we debated earlier is there a big two a big three in the eastern conference you can make up your own mind in the meantime there isn't any question what the biggest story in the nba is today and it's terrible for those of you just joining us uh, the lakers fear that they will be without lebron james For a substantial period of time with this foot injury that he suffered Sunday in the third quarter against the Mavericks. We thought that perhaps they had dodged that bullet as he was able to pop back up and finish the game and played great. And they came from 27 down to win. But we had Woj with us earlier this morning saying that they are fearful that it will be several weeks. And of course, the season ends about five weeks from now. So, Zach Lowe, who's with us today, for those who have just joined us and have not yet heard, they may be thinking, well, maybe the Lakers can sort of hold this thing together even if they don't have LeBron. What is the message for them?
5: I mean, it's possible that they could still hang on to ninth or 10th. Golden State is riddled with injuries. They can't win a road game. Minnesota's been awful lately. New Orleans without Zion has been bad. Portland and Utah traded guys at the deadline. With D'Angelo Russell running point, Dennis Schroeder running point, Anthony Davis still here, it's possible they could cobble together enough, but their offense is so dependent on LeBron. They're 5-9 without him. They have no margin for error. If any of those teams or most of them stabilize at least a little bit, man, it is an uphill battle for the Lakers to even hang in that ninth or 10th spot. Just a devastating, devastating injury. It's going to be tough for them. It's possible given the acquisitions they've made, but it's going to
2: be tough. How do you see it, Monica? I agree with Zach. I do think that the piece that I would lean on if I was a Lakers fan has been this team's ability to defend, right? If they can stick with that constitution and they can uh, force turnovers, get out in transition— I think D'Angelo Russell is great in fast, in excuse me, in transition basketball. I think you're still you still got a bunch of shooters on the floor that will space the floor. Now, obviously, the attention that LeBron James garners doesn't have to be accounted for, but Anthony Davis is also a guy that plays big in the paint. And so, because of their defense, and again, I continue to maintain this is a huge opportunity for Anthony Davis to solidify what he well, solidify might be a strong word, mm-hmm. but to make the case that he should have a vote of confidence from the Lakers organization as a piece that they can build around in the future. It's 20 games. Can you go back to that MVP caliber talent that we know that is in there that we don't see consistently over the
1: course of this next run? We'll see what we see from them out west. So you mentioned Steph Curry, one of the immortals in the Western Conference. LeBron is another. And then there's Kevin Durant, who, of course, we've not yet seen play for the Phoenix Suns. The expectation is that he will play his first game tomorrow night against Charlotte. Yesterday, here on ESPN, Charles Barkley was on first take with Stephen A, talking about Durant's trade to Phoenix. Here's what Charles said.
3: He's an all-time great, but when it comes to being mentioned with some of these other guys, he's going to have to win a championship where he's the leader of the team And he's the best player. If you go back and look at LeBron, he says, I had to win a championship without Dwayne. Kobe Bryant said this too. He says, I have to win a championship without Shaq. I hold Kevin Durant to the same criteria.
1: Fascinating. So, you know, Charles and KD have a little bit of a complicated history. Well, a lot of people in KD have a little bit of a complicated history uh, just based on, on that and, 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 and the feelings that a lot of people had about his original move to Golden State. Is that fair, Zach? Is it, is it fair to say KD needs to lead Phoenix to a championship to validate whatever it is that we think needs to be validated?
5: KD doesn't really need anything. Kevin Durant... Mm-hmm is Kevin Durant. Just imagine let's re- let's let's reverse history and say instead of signing with the Warriors and I think we can all agree that borderline ruined the league for a few years. You just knew who the overall juggernaut favorite was every season. The deck was stacked. Let's say he signs with the Wizards or the Celtics and he doesn't win a title, but he plays amazingly. Maybe he gets to the finals one year and they almost win and he carries that team to within a couple of games of the title and then they lose in the conference finals another year or something. Are we thinking anything less of Kevin Durant Mm -hmm. today than we do now? I mean, I know those Warriors championships, people endlessly want to debate them and should he have stayed in Oklahoma City or whatever, but this is a seven-foot All-time great jump shooter who is elite at literally everything there is in basketball. He doesn't need people like me who can't dunk, who can't do anything to to say he needs this or that to validate his career. He's He's going to finish as one of the top 12 players, top 15, at very, very worst regardless. He's Kevin Durant. This idea that he needs something to
1: me is not fair. It's interesting. His legacy is complicated and maybe somewhat unto itself based on that. Maybe looking at him, trying to judge him in exactly the same way we judge the careers of those who came before him is complicated to do. How do you see
2: what Charles said? But to your point, Greeny, that's our problem, not his. Uh, and so when I listen to that quote from Charles, yes, he has a wealth of wisdom, respected Hall of Famer, the whole bit. Uh, but I, the immediate thought that came to my, mom is, my mind is something that my mom used to say, I ain't got to do nothing but stay black and die. Like, the idea that KD needs to be um, given our blessing, it just doesn't exist. And if you go back to something he said, I believe in his Letterman interview, he talked about, for him, joy, and he may have mentioned peace, but I know for certain he mentioned joy. If he's good with his moves, then so be it. I think we're past the era of punishing guys for teaming up to be successful. That's where we are in the NBA. However, I will say this. If Dane manages to get it done without ever teaming up, mm-hmm. that will be an accomplishment, and that will be asterisk next to that because he didn't do it. But in terms of the team-up thing, we're past that. Look, I agree with what you're saying, but the only thing I will say is that Durant himself
1: seems to be very conscious of what people are saying. He was responding on Instagram to these things from Charles yesterday, so to say that it doesn't make any difference but what anyone else thinks, it does seem to make a difference to him.
2: Even that, Greeny, is through our lens. If he, like, if he got Twitter fingers and he's good chirping, but he's peaceful and he's fine, like, you know what I mean? Like, we keep trying to put this, you need to be a leader, you can't respond on Twitter, or on KD. That is personally my, what I subscribe to, but I'm not that man, and so right. I think we need to allow him to just play basketball, because that's all he wants to do, and admire that.
1: Right, Th- that's sort of what I meant when I said we shouldn't judge him the yeah. way we judge everybody else. He is, he is He seems very different Mm -hmm. in his approach to a lot of different things, and his greatness as a player is not something that is up for debate. Zach, awesome today. Monica, awesome today. Thank you, guys. Meanwhile, it's a special day for me and for all of us who love the NFL draft. It should be a holiday because Mel has his second mock draft up this morning, and he has Bryce Young going first overall, but not to Chicago. He has the Bears trading down twice, so he has the Texans going up from two to number one and taking Bryce Young. Then he has the Colts trading up again with the Bears to number two and taking C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. And then the third quarterback in all this is Will Levis from Kentucky. He has Carolina trading up to number five to uh, acquire him and take Will Levis there. So those are the three top quarterbacks in this draft as you look at Mel's complete top 10. There's a fourth quarterback you see there, Anthony Richardson, a fascinating prospect, and we'll see uh, where he goes. Again, the projection from Mel there is that he goes at number nine. You see the two great defensive players there, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. If the Bears do trade down twice and still get Jalen Carter, I think then their dream draft is made, at least at the top. And here he is, Mel, again. For those just joining us, the concern with Bryce Young is size. If, if, If he were of more standard size there would be nothing to talk about with him what are you hearing from teams and in your evaluation based upon his size some
4: they care about it some maybe don't as much greeny it's going to be up to the individual teams i think if you look at the houston texans the base bottom line is do they care the indianapolis colts do they care they're at four uh, five ten and a half if you're 205 200 i think you're fine greeny if you're 194 or less I put the Bart 195. I think the size is a huge factor, but it only takes that one team. He is an outlier. We've never seen that before. But as I say, what do the Houston Texans think at two? What do the Indianapolis Colts think at four? We'll determine whether Bryce
1: Young is a quarterback you trade up for with the Chicago Bears. And, and, and just give all the fans something to be watchful for as we work our way through the combine and the rest of this process here, because this could be fluid. It, it, it is, there's no question there isn't a consensus on who the number one quarterback in all of this is. What will it be determined by? What will make the, ultimately the decision as to which one of these guys goes first, second, and third?
4: Well, I think for Bryce Young, 195 or higher. Uh, teams think 200 or higher The than I've spoken to. Greeny, I said it at 195. They say, well, you should have put it at 200. Word is he could be 205 working with that nutritionist. C.J. Stroud, that Georgia game, everybody goes back to, but it's one game. Okay, it's one game. He didn't do that throughout his career up till that point, use his legs to beat a defense. Will Levis, had he been healthy all year and had better, more help from his supporting cast, he'd have been the number one guy. And then we talk about Anthony Richardson on talent. He's the guy. But he's raw in terms of his passing skills. He needs to develop more accuracy, see the field better. Will Levis, if you had to say, come from an, comes from an NFL system, played for two different coordinators, okay, didn't get any help this year. He can spin it with the best of them. He can move, use his legs. He's big, strong, physically imposing. Will Levis is a guy maybe the third quarterback taken. We saw Justin Herbert, third quarterback taken. Fields was the fourth quarterback taken. Josh Allen was the third quarterback taken.
1: These physically talented quarterbacks that dropped just a little bit have turned out to be really good, Greeny going to be a fascinating two months between now and the NFL draft. And again, Mel's Mock Point 2.0 is available on ESPN.com. Mel, outstanding as always. Thank you. Meanwhile, we will have news on Aaron Rodgers as we continue next. Uh, We are getting word from Brian Gutekunst, who just met with reporters uh, at the Combine, talking about the future of Rodgers with or without the Packers. You will hear the very latest in just a moment. Don't miss it. Get up on ESPN. we are back on get up and with the combine getting underway today we've told you all morning long we were expecting in this hour to hear from the packers general manager brian gudekunst who met uh, privately with uh, several reporters who cover the packers one of those is our rob domofsky and as promised here is the latest he tweets that gudekunst in a session with packers reporters said he hasn't spoken much with aaron Rodgers since their end of season meetings but still hopes for a decision before free agency, which is March 15th. Gunekunst on whether he wants Rodgers back, quote, he's a great player, but until we have those conversations, I think all options are on the table. We need to have those conversations. We want what's best for the Green Bay Packers, what's best for him, so we'll get to that coming up. He also added, and I thought this was worth pointing out, he said Jordan Love is absolutely ready to be a starter, and they've been in regular communication with him and his agent about what's happening. I wish you all could have seen this. As I read that first tweet, Bart Scott sort of pounded the table in frustration. Why?
3: I mean, why are they saying we got to do it? you? You can't do both. You can't do what's good for the team and good for you. Make a decision, Green Bay. Do what's best for you. If, you can, if the, the best thing for you is to get a haul for Aaron Rodgers, then get a haul for Aaron Rodgers and build around Jordan Love. If you believe that Jordan Love is ready, then with these young receivers, it is time to start growing a new young nucleus and turning the page on A.A. ron The man is 40 years old, and if you don't think that you can legitimately win a title next year, then sometimes you have to take your greatest asset and turn it into your greatest
1: asset. So so I, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it, Tim. This isn't about whether Aaron Rodgers is their best option at quarterback right now. It's about what their options are in the bigger picture. And and if we look at um, what Rodgers wants, even before, in the absence of knowing what Rodgers wants, do you see a way of looking at this where it is best for the Packers to rip this Band-Aid off, if you will, and move on right now?
7: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you could make the argument of like, look, planning for the future rather than doing, you know, going through this, you know, exercise each and every year. Uh, look it helps you plan and, and we're literally taking quotes from the planner of the green bay packers okay I, I think you actually can do what both people want if aaron wants to go somewhere else and play which he may and i'm more inclined to think that that's the case after hearing brian Gutekunst's comments yep. because you know when i look at you know like what aaron aaron's lived in green bay or spent his seasons in green bay for a long time Uh, You know, I think the idea, especially after seeing what Brady did of doing something similar to Brady in terms of going somewhere else where you think the talent uh, is potentially better, where you think you kind of have a new opportunity, maybe you are willing to restructure your deal to something that's a little more team friendly. And they are, you know, they kind of understand what they are getting themselves into in terms of it being year to year, which is exactly what Tampa did uh, with Brady I think you could see that. And and Greeny, from what I can tell, it seems like a team like the Jets would actually be very on board with that. So I I think those things uh, I feel like are starting to come together. Don't hurt
1: me. I mean, I'm I'm trying so hard not to get my hopes up, and and here we are. Jeff, you had told me all morning long you want to hear if they've talked to each other. The reality is there was nothing keeping Aaron Rodgers from coming out of the dark room calling Brian Kudekunst and just saying, I'm back. Because that's literally all it would take. I'm coming back. So the fact that he hasn't done that to this point feels significant, yes?
6: The fact that in response to hearing from Brian Gutekunst for the first time about Aaron Rodgers, we're already still putting the Jets on the table, tells you all you need to know about his comments. And quite frankly, if we listen to this tweet from Rob Demoski, Gutekunst on whether he wants Rodgers back. Quote, he's a great player, but... Dot, dot, dot. It doesn't matter what he says after that. Think about that. On whether he wants Aaron Rodgers back, he's a great player, but.
5: Mm. uh, To me, this this adds
6: fuel to all of the fire. We're there now. We are there. We we could have been at a point today where we said, all right, it kind of feels like Aaron might be coming back. I read these quotes, and I don't think that. I I quite frankly see a situation unfolding before us. This is headed down the road where the Packers are very clearly exploring the possibility of moving on,
1: but Mark. They're very yeah. clearly exploring the possibility. Yeah. This could actually happen. But this is why you call Joe
3: Douglas or you call the Raiders up and you get it done there because you can have these meetings about what a scenario would look like. That way, you know everything's kind of already you know put out and put on paper. You kind of understand what it is, and then when the decision is finally made, it can move swiftly. Right, Because you need that. Because if I'm Green Bay, I listen, I need weapons for Jordan Lover. That's what I'm building around. I need this year's draft pick, especially from the Jets because it's 13th. Next year, if they go to playoffs, it's not going to be as good of a pick. So you want to try and get premium players and start off young. And you have to be able to try and quickly evaluate who Jordan Love is as a football player. Because if you bring Aaron Rodgers back, because if he says, you know, and this is why you talk about what's good for him and good for the organization, if he decides what's good for me is to be able to, you know, end my career, you know, in Green Bay, then that may not be good for the evaluation for
1: Jordan Love, because then now you have to pick up a guy's option that you don't know if he can play football or not. Oh, my God, this could happen. I mean, is that the the only thing I'm hearing in this room right now is that this could happen, right? right? I mean, Who's saying yes? Is that Jeff or is that Tim? I'll take either one of you. (laughs) Uh,
6: Greeny, 100%.
1: Think about it. Greeny, it's February 28th right now, right?
6: It's February 28th. Aaron Rodgers signed a deal last year that was supposed to make everybody in Green Bay feel like he was playing last year and this year. And all of a sudden, the GM of the team is now coming forward saying all options are on the table. This is definitely
1: completely on the
6: road to potentially happening.
1: This is on the road. Tim Hasselbeck, this is on the road to potentially happening.
7: Yeah, Granny, listen, you, you've known my posture on this for years now. Even when everyone thought he was leaving a year ago, I was saying that he was going to be in Green Bay. I, I think this changes it for me. I, I, I've just been being real with you on it. Like I, The idea that he hasn't given them the confirmation of, hey, I'm back, and that this is where this is headed. Uh, look, I, I think that we're now in a situation where Green Bay – Is trying to figure out what the compensation can be. I mean, I I think that's where we are, and I think we'll start to find that out real soon. I think trying to identify the compensation has always been the most difficult part, because you know when you look at like what Matthew Stafford was traded for, like what what was Aaron Rodgers' trade value. Now I think because of his age, the level of commitment, maybe what his desire is. Now I think you can start to have a more reasonable compensation in terms of what you're getting up, giving up to acquire Aaron Rodgers. And then I think Aaron Rodgers, having seen what Brady has done or what Brady did in Tampa, you may be able to work work with Brady on doing what's best to try to accomplish the goal that he would be trying to accomplish going to a new team.
3: He'll never catch Tom Brady as far as being one of the greatest quarterbacks. We know he's maybe potentially one of the most talented, but if you come to New York and you win a Super Bowl here, your elevation as far as your quarterback rankings go up. Right now, uh, Patrick Mahomes has passed you, Aaron Rodgers. If you want to catch the greats, come win a championship with the New York Jets, and listen, they'll, they'll treat you like a king from coming to America, they'll throw roll pedals at your feet anytime you come in a tri-state area, believe
1: me. Plus, we have the, 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 the offensive genius, Nathaniel Hackett, right? We have his isn't that like his best friend? Or right,
3: well, well, the hardest. Do know each other? Well, well, Tim would know, right? Coming to coming as a quarterback and learning a new system, you know, it's tough. But being able to come in and learn a system that you know, that you can already make the checks. And, you know, like I said, the Jets have the ability to bring over some of those guys that he was demanding that Green Bay re a Mercedes Lewis, a Tunyon, Bakhtiari. They can do, the Jets have the ability to do that, but he's going to have to work with them. Now, when Tanevon traded for Brett Favre, it was a third-round pick, conditional, and right now it's apples to apples because right now Aaron Rodgers is in the same part of his career where Brett Favre was when we
1: traded for him. I don't think I can sit anymore. I honestly don't. I don't don't think I can sit anymore. This could actually happen. Let the record show that as a sports fan, which I have been my entire life, nothing this good has ever happened before. And by that, I mean just the mere fact this is possible is the best thing that has ever happened to me as a sports fan. This is the closest I've ever come to seeing my team win a championship. Make it! happen okay guys outstanding thank you uh, first take is coming up i will continue just to yell and scream on the radio in a few minutes uh, Stephen a's got to talk about this lebron out for weeks did the lakers playoff chances go with him Stephen a jj reddick monica mcnutt molly Caram, and more first take top of the hour on espn All right, final Super Tuesday of the season, and it's a good one tonight. NC State, Duke, seven Eastern. Then you got Kansas and Texas Tech. All the action here on ESPN and the ESPN app tonight. Uh, late word: Marcus Mariota, who was the second pick in the draft once upon a time, has been released by the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, that was predictable, right? They're going to go probably go with Desmond Ritter, and also they you know shut him down early in the season. The football news is coming fast and furious. The conversation continues as well. First take. Starts now, enjoy.